It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, May fourth, and you're listening to episode four hundred and fourteen. I'm here with Jason Katarski. It's Jason and Jason. Uh, we just realized that it's May 4th uh, as we went to record this. So may the 4th be with you, I guess, Jason. And, right. And if you're listening uh, on Tuesday, then it's Revenge of the 5th for you, you know? Yes. Uh, it's a good holiday, right? Uh, yes. Yes. I would love to be watching the Mandalorian making of series that came out today. On oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Disney yeah. Plus and also Rise of Skywalker, but uh, it's also my first day of school for the next semester. <laughs> well, what do you? Who are you kidding? Do you do anything on the first day? I mean, you wait till well, the last no. week, don't you? Yeah, pretty much, and that's how I maintain that 4.0 average by uh, yes. turning in everything at last minute by the skin of my teeth. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just—I think what it does show is just how easy your classes actually are. Yeah, not that I'm brilliant in every way, for sure. Yeah, it could could be that, could be, or or it could be your classes just aren't too hard, you know. Or it could be that I'm extremely charming, and I my instructors just feel like they have to hook me up. I'd actually buy that over the brilliant thing <laughs> for sure. So it goes with your uh, golden hands of Katarski. Yes, uh, it does. Uh, theory. It does. I um, feel like my hands are a little bit bronze these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's because of all the bronzer you put on them. Oh. Oh yes, totally. <sighs> yeah. So, well, um, so this is week seventy-seven in lockdown, uh, or so. Feels like it. Feels like it. Uh, yeah. I want to say I fully support fully support everything with the stay at home order, but uh, but that said, it, it's it's been a minute since we've been able to go places and do the things, um, and while necessary, boy, it kind of sucks. Right, right. Uh, the the highlight is like every two weeks when I go to the grocery store. You know, like <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm having lots of fun with my family and being able to walk and being creative with my band. Like those are the the good sides of being locked up. You know, good because um, I thought if you were going to if you meant that uh, a one and a half hour anxiety inducing trip was the highlight, <laughs> then I am sorry for you. Yeah, you're right. It's not it's not that fun. It is nice to get home and have things in the cupboards again, though. Yeah, it's exciting. So. I always try to buy a few special things whenever I go, um, just so that we have like some new thing. Um, yeah, and that's nice. Like it's like, oh look, we have this now. Like last time it was pre-shelled pistachios. Oh, and they are real good. They and, don't even uh, make yeah. you work for it. It's no, like you don't even no. earn that that joy. Nope, I don't just... need to. Right now, I will take <laughs> free joy. Yes, it's freely given. I love it. No effort. Just pop them in until you pass yes. out. Handful, <laughs> handfuls at a time. That's really the preferred way to eat pistachios, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind popping them open and eating them, but like when I want just a quick snack to just grab like ten of them, toss them in my mouth, chew them up, and go do something. That's you know, that's kind of nice. I'm not gonna lie, totally. I'm down with that. So when it, I was a kid, we used when we used to get them. I don't know why, but the shells were always dyed red. Did you ever have those as a kid? I've had those too. Yeah, actually, I think. If I'm correct, and uh, somebody will probably tell me if I'm not, 
Uh, I think that might be the natural color of pistachio shells and that they are bleached to be ah, white. I think. Interesting. I could be wrong, though. I could totally be wrong. Uh, but totally. I feel like that's the case. I feel like we're playing balderdash right now. Like you're making up a lie to see if I believe you or not. <laughs> Honestly, that's not that different than when I'm just talking on this podcast in general. It might be <laughs> yeah, true. Right? It might not. I usually Somewhat don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's someone else's responsibility to to fact check it for sure. Right, right. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. You know, giving bad information about what to do in a pandemic. I'm telling you whether or not pistachios are bleached or not, and I honestly well, don't know. Right. Well, I just think that like the whole that that made that was another barrier to entry. Right. Like you had to open the shells, and they turned your fingers red. So it was like you only wanted to eat a few, but like without the shells, you can just go like full hog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though every once in a while, you'll get a piece of shell in there when you're chewing. If you're just tossing in a handful, oh. and that's that is that is unfortunate. Is what that is. That sounds disappointing, indeed. Have you been doing anything cool during the last uh, few weeks since we've uh, done a podcast together? Oh, therapy's cool, right? That's cool. <laughs> yep, that's a good thing to do. <laughs> no, uh, what else? What else have I been doing? Um, well, I've been working on some game projects, which has been fun. Uh, I've been trying to kind of work on some stuff. I've been doing some pro bono coaching, uh, which has been really, really nice. Um, you know, my, my wife, uh, she's working during the day. I'm working with the kids during the day and she helps out with that too. And, uh, uh, yeah, no, um, nothing spectacularly different. Uh, oh, you know what we did this week for the first time in, since this started, uh, seven weeks ago or whatever we ready for this. We ordered takeout. Yeah. We got wow. some pizza. Um, and it was amazing. And, so we were. It was a. We went through a local place that's super careful with everything. They're they're following like full protocols, contactless delivery, all that jazz. Um, and we ordered like two and a half meals worth of pizza, which of course we ate in two meals. But um, so we <laughs> we spent a ton of money on pizza uh, and gave a real good tip. And then we were like all like. We took out the pizza. We like reheated it and stuff. We took a bunch of precautions that weren't necessary. That frankly, my wife just lets me do because she's a good wife and she like wants to support my my anxiety. So yeah, awesome. But yeah, that's great. We actually uh, we had pizza once. One of the lo the local place had this special that was like a pickle pizza that had jalapenos and uh, meat and like a a chipotle type sauce. It was incredible. But you have to like pickles. Um, I do not, but uh, I think my <laughs> wife and daughter would probably like that pizza. It was delicious. It was weird and wonderful. We did the same thing. We ordered like way more than we needed so we could freeze some. And then uh, Lisa was really craving, so we door dashed a dozen fancy donuts, and they ended up costing us like almost $4 a donut by the time everything was set oh, and done. Oh, snap! <laughs> So I felt like wow. I was on vacation in like Portland or something like that, you know, getting the the best possible. They they're pretty good donuts, like with cereal on top of them and weirdo like bacon donuts and stuff like that. So, and we did the you pick. So they just like they chose for us. So it was like a bit of a mystery. It was a good time. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we yeah. um we uh we haven't done anything like that yet, but now I kind of want to. But yeah, we certainly have like we've canceled all our trips and stuff for this summer. So. 
now we, and we we were fortunate enough that because of everything that they were nice enough to like just give us all our prepaid money back. Um, yeah. So now, which is I'm so grateful for that because businesses don't have to do that. I mean, they should, right? They especially because this is like you know like Amtrak, right? Like they can afford to give us a kickback here of our money, um, knowing that we'll spend it again sometime, right? Um, but anyways, so for the meantime, like. I'm like, well, let's let's buy a couple fun things for around the house that the kids can use and have fun since who knows what we're going to do vacation wise, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Have you been able to play any games uh, over the last little while? Yeah, my wife and I played Splendor recently, which we hadn't played in a long time, which was was nice. Um, I got in the mail another. Oh, I got I bought just one. Um, oh yeah, that because, was like the Spiel the Jar winner, right? Yeah, and that's real good to play uh, over. Um, that's real good to play over, you know, uh, the internet um, because you you just have one person moderate, and you know, and yeah. So, so we're gonna oh, do that. Cool. We played a game of Trivial Pursuit with some friends, uh, and we just had one person read all the questions. Uh, so yeah, it worked pretty well. It was awesome. uh, it was fun. How about yeah, how did- about yourself? Yeah, we did a thing uh, with some friends from church, and it was like a dinner and game night where we ate dinner together over Zoom, and then uh, we played Scategories over Zoom. Oh, wow, Scategories. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, that was super classic, uh, fun, like, and I was real good at it, (laughs) like, and everybody else was real slow about it, maybe... Cause I'm so brilliant. We'll go back to that again. Uh, those kind of like games, like like <laughs> just <laughs> like words come to me pretty quickly. Uh, so like, but it was it was really fun. And then um, we've done a couple educational type things. Lisa and I played Freedom: The Underground Railroad, which is a pretty dense co-op. I bet, yeah. Uh, and it's you know you're you're uh, trying to help free slaves uh, and get them to Canada. Wow. So like. Yeah, it's it's so good though. It's really good. Like it's like a step above pandemic as puzzle wise, I think. Um, and it's really rich with the history and special abilities. So we played that one day, and I had had that for five years, and I'd only played like the solo game of it once when I first got it. But then we really had a good time with that. We played uh, Travel Blog, which is by um, what's the designer of Codename's name? Uh. uh- Vlad, Vladimir, yeah, Vla- Vlad, 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 Vlad Chattel, Vlad or yeah, Vlad Yeah, Chivattle. yeah, yeah. He designed, yeah, yeah. This this was a game from the early two thousands. The Z Man like put out here, and it's like a geography pressure luck kind of game. Like you're trying to figure out like the shortest route like from to different locations, and you're trying to see as much of the world as possible. It's 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 pretty cute. My my kid got it for Easter, and uh. It was like, it's a lightweight family style Euro game. We really enjoyed that one. And then, I don't know if I mentioned this one last time, Bloom. Did I tell you about Bloom? Uh, I don't remember. So go ahead and tell me again. Yeah, it's a game right game. It's uh, it's very much in the world of Quicks. A roll and write. Yes, with, uh, yeah, you did with, mention this. Did I? With the flowers and stuff? Okay. Yeah, it's it's cute. It's You're making sets and circling flowers. That that one's that one's made, it, made its appearance again. So that's a fun one to, to check out. And then lots of Animal Crossing. My kids are clamoring for it every moment, and I'm I'm way behind the curve on them, but I'm having fun when I can. I'm just trying not to put too much pressure on myself. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> so I'm closing in on 200 hours now. So wow, yeah, nice. Yeah. 200 hours, and I still haven't unlocked terraforming. Um, which I I feel like I should have already. I think I've just 
taken my time too much and worried about other things. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I need to up my rating uh, so I can get me some terraforming. And uh, yeah, then I can really, then the game, like basically it's like starting the game again because I'll be able to do so many different things. Um, wow. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're speaking, uh, you're way above my pay grade with that, man. I don't even know. Like, I, uh, <laughs> I'm in a group of people with some board game people, uh, like a secret Facebook group thing where we share information. And uh, thanks to that, uh, I currently have 4 million, 4.2 million bells in the bank uh, after having wow. paid off everything. Uh, because of the stock market, uh, buying turnips and stuff. So, and that's even like, I'm actually being conservative. I buy 4,000 turnips every Sunday morning, um, because that's how many I can carry at one time. Um, so if I have to go to someone's Island and sell them, it's only have to do it in one trip. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I make about, I think the last two weeks I've made almost 2 million bells each time. So, uh, yeah. So it's, it's been pretty cool. Uh, um, cause that money just means that I can, I mean, I pretty much can buy whatever I need. So, um, yeah. And then we've been, I built an arcade, which I'm super stoked about, um, in my, uh, upstairs room, built a sweet arcade. So um, that just yeah. looks cool, right? Like you can't play those games. So you can go up and you can <laughs> tap the games. Like you hit a, and it will act like you're playing it like pinball. When you hit pinball, the ball will move oh, around and it'll dig and stuff. You don't actually score any points. Um, but it looks real cool. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, and then I, uh, I've i just, you know, just been exploring different things. I'm a bit of a collector with stuff. So I'm just like constantly collecting different things. And uh, so once once you get a ways, you should, we should be friends on there. You should come visit me and I can just hook you up with so much stuff. So awesome. many ridiculous things. So, yeah. Yeah, I just built my house. You know, I haven't even seen it. My kids have seen my house. Uh, because they've logged on and like, Hey dad, your house is there. It's pretty cool. And I'm like, Oh, I get, I'll, ch- I'll check that out eventually. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Now, now is when it gets real expensive. Cause Nook just keeps going. Oh, it only costs a hundred thousand to do this. Next one's 200. Oh, oh, you want a Ugh. basement? That's going to be 1.2 million. Oh, you want it upstairs? That's only 2.4 million. So yeah. Wow. That's how they get you. That's how yeah. they get you. I mean, it's basically like, it's like real life, except for, you know, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that's part of my stress is like, I don't like being in debt. I don't want to have to pay any bills like, yeah, uh, or I have to, I have to pay the bills before like I can have the fun of buying right. more stuff. Right. Yeah. People were like, you don't have to pay off your last debt to Tom Nook. All you unlock is the free ability to upgrade your house. I mean, to like change what it looks like on the outside, but that only costs $5,000 to do it. So what's the point? Mm. And I was like, no, the point is I'm in debt and I'm going to pay it off before I do <laughs> anything else. Um, awesome. Well, thanks to, for tuning in to the Animal Crossing podcast, everyone. We haven't <laughs> talked about it that much of late. So because Julio uh, uh, was on last time and he didn't talk about Animal Crossing. So OK, it was just me good. last time. Yeah. And I think I just said all the same stuff about how I'm an idiot and I'm terrible at video games. You, But you've <laughs> made it further. So you're doing well. Yeah, I'm um, progressing just at my own pace. So for the topic today, we wanted to talk about, um, you know, we talked a little bit about what we're doing and things like that. But one of the things that I, um, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to be a little vulnerable for Jason here and is in, I'm going to let Jason be a little vulnerable here and I'm going to tell you what we said. So I said, Hey Jason, (laughs) um, what if we talked about, what does it mean to be a small publisher or, you know, just not a huge publisher, right? What does it, what does it mean to be that in the new world? And you said, 
and I quote, uh, but I don't know what it means to be that. And I was like, exactly. That's the thing is no one knows what it means to be that, right? Um, we just know that we just know that things are going to change, right? Um, Gen Con's going to get canceled. We all know that's going to happen. Um, I think it's safe to say that pretty much all conventions will be canceled this year, um, or at least most of them will be. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens with Grand Con since it's not until um, September. Uh, but I honestly look for that to get canceled as well. Um, so with all of that happening, it's, um, you know, you, I think it's safe to say that you're not like a Asmodee, right? Green Couch Games, not an Asmodee. Is that fair to say? You, oh, they're, that's they're, very fair to they're say. They're a little bigger than you. So their online presence or a Ravensburger or whatever, their online sales presence is enormous, right? Um, while they make money at conventions, they certainly don't have to do that, I wouldn't think, to survive, or at least not in the short term, right? Um, but I think for smaller publishers, um, most of your, I mean, a large portion of your sales post Kickstarter are convention sales, right? Is that is that fair to say? Um, no, I, I would say on a year when I'm doing four of the medium to bigger conventions like Grand Con, Geek Way, Origins, Gen Con, my sales at those might equal what I sell to distribution somewhere roughly. Um, oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm really lucky. I've been working with impressions and they sell my stuff to Good the point. distributors yeah. for me. And within the first few months of a game, I'm going to sell between, you know, 200 copies of something to like five or 600 copies of something. Uh, and then they typically, I'm, I'm going to be just inside baseball. like keep it real for you. Then almost every game takes a dip after that first three months for sure. Like, oh, right. Om- right. Almost to nothing, uh, at my level, at least. But I think uh, even for larger publishers, I mean, I, I've seen publishers where they'll headline a game at a convention, and then the next convention, they're not even demoing it. Like, And that's right. like three months later, right? So, I mean, I, I think that happens at every level um, to some extent, right? I mean, with any product, sure. frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and conventions, like the most I've sold of a title might be a hundred copies and I of one title at one convention. Um, and that's like, um, that's because I think that I have a catalog of 10 or 12 games. So when people come to my booth, I think their attention's a little spread out. Whereas like some publishers with one game, they might sell two or 300 of that game because they're going to that booth. And that's the only thing they're going to see. That's a great point. Yeah. They don't have other choices. And, um, so, I think that I spread out my sales over those, but like, yeah. So at those conventions, you know, I might do like a couple hundred of a newer title and then I'm going to easily sell that to distribution too. Kickstarter is my biggest, has been my biggest point of sale between, you know, 400 to, uh, at most, you know, almost 2000 with one game. Haven't really broken a thousand more than a couple times, uh, backers. So I'm really on the small side of things as far as Kickstarter these days. Uh, well, and that's yeah. So that's also another thing, right? Is that Kickstarter also right now is very different. Um, you know, I mean, it it's I always say Kickstarter is like the stock market, right? Like it all comes down to people's uh, belief in how good it is, right? So, like, if people feel comfortable backing on Kickstarter because they believe they're going to get their games, even though everything is crazy. 
um, then things will be fine. But if people don't feel that way, then things won't be fine, right? <laughs> so um, assuming you're not doing digital distribution, right? That obviously fixes most of those problems. Uh, but not every game is destined for digital distribution. Right, right. Yeah, I'm... Uh... Yeah, it's a, it's just a really strange thing right now where like when I look at Kickstarter, it and I was talking to my wife about this. We went on a walk right before we recorded, and I was like, I was sharing her some of my vulnerable. I don't know. I don't want to come across as like a get off my lawn. I used to, I loved it in the good old days when it was the wild wild west. Um, but it, like the expectations of Kickstarter now are they just feel like people often expect you to be like Amazon or Walmart or like these big companies where they want this customer service experience that is like on par with some huge, um, some huge companies. And like, for me, the thing that drew me to it was this like punk rock aspect of it where I am gonna do my thing and people like it, they can get into it. And if they don't, um, you know, there's other games for them to buy, but like, there's this just like sense of like having to keep up with the Joneses or um, the comparisons to other companies. I mean, I'm thinking about like Cephalofair Games just did eleven million dollars or whatever for the new Gloomhaven sequel, right? Oh, Frosthaven, yeah, yeah, yeah. eleven million dollars. Yeah, oh my god, is that a new record for Kickstart for um, board game on Kickstarter? I, that feels I like don't that's got to be a new record. Yeah, and there was seventy two thousand some backward backers when I checked, and there was like twelve or twenty hours left. I don't remember. I just that was the only time I peeked at it, and it's a huge game, and it's got a hefty price tag. He's been working on it for three years or whatever. Um, but like, I'm just looking at thing, thinking about that, and if that's what's happening on Kickstarter, like me selling four hundred copies of a game on Kickstarter, just is like. It seems like most people are just going to glance over it. You know what I mean? Like well, that's so that's a good that's a good point, but the other thing is do you think that right now in this world there are more and more people putting things on Kickstarter, right? Like here this digital game or here's this or here's that. Like is it is that punk rock aspect going to become sexier and worth a second glance to more people because we see the model change after this whole pandemic thing during and after, right? Because I mean, the world after will be different. There's no way around that. Things aren't just going to go back to normal in the next three to five years. They're just, they're just not. Um, I I think that's, it would be silly to think that they would. Um, So do you think that that could kind of amp up the, you know, like that aspect of like, the DIY punk rock style of stuff. Like, will that become more exciting to people in your opinion? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think that uh, for one, I think that it's going to like amplify creativity like this time. It just in general, like people have more time on their hands. I'll, you know, there's people that are still working, but there is a, it's just such a different, like you can't go out. You don't have so many things vying for your attention and this experience is so unique to our like way of living that like i feel like those times where we feel the crunch where we feel the tightness like we have to find a way to escape that so i feel like creativity explodes you know there's so many bands right now that are like hey we're like my band is learning to record remotely with our iphones you right know, like, right right um 
and like bands are putting out new singles. Hey, we recorded a new single like over online. Concerts are taking place online, so it's changing like the musical landscape in that way. Um, I saw people saying uh, some article. I didn't even I didn't read it, but like it was talking about how this pandemic is going to change how D and D is played forever because more and more people are taking it online. Um, right, and once so, well, and D and D is a good example, right? Not to cut you off, but like. When you form a D&D group and that starts to gel, right? Especially if you're now playing with new... Oh, oh I can invite my friend Jason. He's, he's in Grand Rapids, so he can't come play with us every time, but he can play online, so great. Um, but once that group is formed, now, oh, do we want to start getting back together in person? We don't want to exclude Jason, you know? I mean, so I think that you are going to see that with that bonding over that, that people are going to keep doing that online for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's a thing that, like, the mainstream culture is maybe catching on. Whereas like the online D and D groups have been a thing, you know, but they're more for like the hardcore right. purists. And now, like I said, like a couple, like last week I was playing a game with people from church, you know, online. Right, right, um, right, right. And like, you're seeing stuff like that. Uh, puzzles are sold out everywhere. Games. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Ga- I imagine that games must be moving, too, because people are looking for stuff to do, you know, like with their home unit that's not just watching a screen. So, like, I feel like there's that thirst again for games. Um, There's so much to choose from, though, uh, and there's going to be probably a slowdown in the in the. like the manufacturing chain, because if more people are wanting to do it, there's only so much capacity. There's only so much time and space and money that everybody has. Um, So I I feel like there's going to be a tightening that will probably end up showing it, showing up with some creativity. Like as I I was kind of shifting gears a bit before this happened to kind of slow down and, and find it as like more about passion projects rather than trying to find like a business. Right. Right. And I've mentioned like how Adam Vass is my hero putting out his like weird zine uh, or role playing games and like short, short runs of card games and like um, just like bending back towards that and this smaller boutique, like for a smaller community. Cause that's the thing for me that this has always been about. It's about like supporting and building a community around what I'm doing. Um, And I became a little disconnected from that for a while. But now, like, I'm craving community in a big way. So, like, to find out how to be more connected would be to focus on your core group in a special way. Right. Um, it's almost and maybe not. Yeah, maybe not work. Worry about making it like for the masses, but like worrying about making it for like a specific group. Uh, yeah, it's almost like you're it. saying uh, you want to make great little games that make great big connections. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. almost. Yeah. But maybe, maybe uh, equal greatness, but even like uh, littler games. You right, know, like right, right. <laughs> um, itty bitty games just, that make big connections. Right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that. Uh, yeah, the times are the times seem to be changing. There seems to be the, like origins are springing up with an online convention. Uh, people are coming up with online initiatives like right and left. Uh, I don't so, know how much that's going to change the landscape of board games. Maybe designers will think about that as they're creating games. Right, like, right. how can I make more tabletop games that don't require us to be in the same place to play? Yes, or that actually like benefit from you not being in the same place to play because that is a design space to remember. How many times in a game have you said, how do I make this happen without other players knowing that it's happening, right? 
Um, you know what I mean? Like, for instance, D&D, right, is a great example. Like, hey, uh, I need to have a side conversation with a DM. I could just text them while we're all video chatting and tell them that I'm going to do something and then they won't know who it is, right? Or if it's a, a deduction game or a werewolf, right? Werewolf, just text the other werewolf, right? Send him a message. And uh, yeah, um, I mean, there's so many things you can do with that um, that would be really helpful um, that I do think there's design space around there that should be explored. The, the virtual convention thing is interesting to me because I maybe I'm just being like a curmudgeon about it, but like thinking about Origins Online, like, I don't know what they could offer that would make me want to be a part of that. Like, oh, this is why I say that, right? Because, sure, I'm guessing they're going to run online games and stuff. But, like, if I'm going to play an online game, I want to play with my friends, right? Like, I don't want to go to a game run by some person at Origins, right? I don't right. want to browse an online store of booths, right? And I actually, I, I guess I would do that, yes. If they had all the booths, like, in an online format where, like, you could go browse all of their wares... I'd be totally down with that. Problem is they really can't do that because, um, yeah, because it would require a website for all of them. And let's be honest, Origin's not building anyone a website. So, um, yeah, I imagine, I imagine yeah. it being like the content side of things mostly like, because you're right. Like I go to conventions. I mean, if I'm not thinking about being an exhibitor, I'm thinking about, I go to see my friends at summer camp for adults, you know, summer camp for me and my friends. Uh, but, I feel like what BGG and Dice Tower does with the new game previews, like, I feel like that's what they're angling for. It's like they're going to give time and space to the exhibitors to show off their games on, you know, over the internet rather than just an online that's store. Cool. But like, um, that, that, those are interesting. If I can't be at, like, I'll turn in a couple times, tune in a couple times throughout the day when Essen's happening to watch the BGG videos of new games just to see what's happening, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And I think that I would do that, but it would be like, I would just wait till it was over and then hear what people are talking about and then go look at those videos, right? Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, there's, it's too much to sift through all at once. It's the same as like, you know, trying to make it through the exhibit hall in a day. Like, you kind of have an idea of what to go check out based on what your people are talking about. Um, And maybe panels would be an interesting thing. But, like, I mean, we've got podcasts. You know, we've got such portable content. Like, that, there is something about the convention being, like, connected to humans. Right. I mean, to Um, me, the draw of a convention is two things. One, seeing friends in person, right? Like people that I only see once a year, maybe twice a year physically, right? And two, that, that, and I mean this in the most endearing way, but that like flea market aspect of just wandering around the, 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 um, the vendor hall, like looking for new things, right? And I say flea market in an endearing way, right? Because like, well, if you're if you're somebody who's into going to flea markets, right? You're looking for treasures, right? And it's the same thing you're looking for at these conventions. Like, oh, look at this little booth that has this thing that I never thought of and didn't know I needed until right now, but I'm gonna buy it, right? Like that is that's my that I think is my favorite thing about conventions outside of seeing friends is I just love what feels like the adventure of walking around and finding those treasures, you know. Um, and at Gen Con, I love it, especially because you got to work really hard to find them because the ones that are those little treasures where I'm going to go find something really cool um, that's that not everyone else is seeing, um, those are hard to find there because everything else is so flashy, right? And uh, and I'm like, you know, challenge accepted. This sounds like fun. And that, it will be sad to not have that. 
yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. That is that is one of my favorite aspects as well. Um, and that's something we're not really gonna get. Like, I mean, you know, we're sh- I'm shopping online a lot more than I than I was. You know, kind of impulse buying. So that's oh yeah, oh that, yeah, that can that can happen. And I'm sure if people are doing deals or whatever on their games during that time, um, you know, but it's but that's a tricky space to get into as a publisher too because you don't want to undercut your people that are selling your games in their stores in their online stores. Right, so right. Like, it's it's different to like give people a good deal at a convention. Because it's a physical place you have to be to get it. Um, and then it's like a temporary thing. So to say like, hey, I'm going to sell all these games for 50% off. Like retailers th- that might want to carry your games are going to be like, oh, well, why would I buy that for f- the same price that people can buy it at online right now? You know, like right, it's the right. same thing. And most of them are these small mom and pop businesses that, that are supporting games, you know, for the long haul. Right. So, I- I'll never forget the first grand con I was at where I was selling, I had water balloon washout right for sale. And, uh, I brought it over to out of the box games and was like, Hey, you guys want to buy some copies? He's like, yeah, I'll take 10 copies of it. Awesome. So I gave him of course a, a wholesale rate. And then you came over, you said, you see out of the box as your game for, for 12, you're selling it for 15. <laughs> I was like, Oh, <laughs> snap. Uh-huh. Oh, which was, I mean, I'm like, I don't care they already bought copies. Right. I, yeah. they and could, I'm you know, sure. If they were aware that you were selling at the convention or if you would ask them, they've done that for me before. They would buy stuff at the end of the convention, you know, so like they right, would right. not sold it if you would ask them. But I didn't. Yeah. I mean, again, no harm to them. I mean, I could not care less. They bought 10 copies. That was 100 bucks in my pocket. Uh, right. I had no complaints about that. Totally. Um, yep. Yeah. So I think that I think the thing that that sticks to me out of all of this is we need to be prepared to be adaptable. Right. Um, when it comes to everything that we're going to be facing in life, but also all of the game stuff, is that we want to be adaptable and be open-minded to different ways that things are going to happen now, right? And um, try our best not to miss out on those things by being open-minded and adaptable. Totally. I I agree with that. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time just to be able to see what comes of it. It's a stressful time, but like, I don't know. Like for me, I think that it's just, uh, I keep thinking of the word re- reinvigorating in some ways, just like, um, maybe it's just going to be refreshing actually to take a break, like from that space for a minute, make me appreciate what it was before. Cause you start to, you know, grind it out and feel like, I'm just doing the same thing every year and like sure cool stuff happens every year, but like take some space away from it and then come back to it in a new way. And then I'll have some new perspectives. I'll have some hopefully new opportunities. I'll, uh, I'll maybe not take for granted, you know, like what it is, you know, and be like, wow, how cool cool is this? How cool is this that we're together again and I'm seeing these people I love and I didn't see them for a whole, you know, two years, you know, or whatever. Right, right. And the thing is, yeah, don't wait to see those people. FaceTime with those people. Have video chats with those people. I've been doing that with more and more friends from this gaming sphere, and it's been lovely to see their faces and talk to them more often. And you realize just how good of friends you are with these people when you're like, gosh, this is stupid. Why haven't I not been like talking to you and seeing your face every couple of weeks as compared to twice a year? What? That's stupid, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, we we just connected with some really good friends from Canada that used to live by us, and we go to their we go see them once a year. They come see us once a year, and like 
we we're like, hey, let's have a meetup and chat after the kids are in bed. And like we talked to him for like an hour and a half. And That's it was like, awesome. why don't we why don't we do this? Like, why are we this is so funny? Like, we love each other, but like we we only have this context of like, well, we travel to see each other twice a year, and that's that's what it is. But like it's just like the possibilities and the re- I think we're craving this connection so much that it is making us think outside the box. And it was Absolutely. like it was it really like filled us up in a special way to kind of reconnect with those people. Agreed. Cool, cool. So yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I'm gonna pitch a game now if that's cool. I can't wait, dude. It's about time you made I a know. game. I, it's funny you <laughs> said well, who's gonna pitch something on this, and I was like, gosh, I haven't pitched anything forever, and I just, I just designed a game for a contest, and um, I uh, am super stoked to talk about it. Uh, I submitted it yesterday on the day of the deadline, well, April thirtieth. Um, so yeah, so I submitted it, and I'm excited about it, and we'll see what happens. We'll see if uh, when I find out, uh, I'm sure that it won't win. Uh, or probably even place, but it was a great, great experience. And so, yeah. All right. So the name right. of the, the name of the game is <clears throat> is if you find this, and um, if you find this dot 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 right. Um, the idea of the game was the challenge was to design a game, a, a role playing game uh, that was less than three thousand words, so uh, less than six pages, we'll say ish uh, in normal font and stuff. Um, and they could be played completely remotely, did not require any printing, if possible. Um, you know, and people could basically just play it via video or audio chat. Um, yeah. So I was like, all right, challenge accepted. Uh, so my idea was, what if, what if you found someone's last words? Like, what if you found either a video, um, a voicemail, a like message in a bottle, an email, a letter, whatever, right? Doesn't really matter. You found this message, um, and that message was um, was was pretty simple. It explained um, that they were dying, or that they, something was going to happen that was going to, to kill them to end their life, and uh, they um, in that time um, they had some something they regretted, right? And they and they're saying to you, if you find this can you do this thing for me, right? Um, and generally the idea is that the thing revolves around finding a person and giving them a message, right? So you've got this this player is the messenger. And so before the start of the game, they either make a two to five minute, uh, one to five minute video or voicemail, or they write a one to two page letter, uh, message in a bottle, whatever, right? And this is given to the players at the beginning. And the context is it has to have um, it has to have an explanation of who they are, of what what's happening to them, of their what they're worried about. Um, kind of they say, you know, if you find this, can you do this thing for me? Um, and then they will tell you the recipient that they need you to give a message to and what you need to explain to them. And then they'll give you a lead, which will be a person you could talk to that will help you find this person. Okay. And everyone watches that video before the game starts. And then everybody gets theoretically on video chat or audio chat. I would prefer video chat just because I want everybody to see each other's faces because I love people's faces, right? Um, but so at that point, every person is playing themselves now, okay? Including the person who was the role of the messenger. So if I was the messenger, now at the start of the game, I'm Jason. We've all seen the video. And so we start kind of, we talk about the video or whatever it is, the message, right? We decompress about that and we make a plan. And we say, okay, let's find this one person. And we kind of talk through how we find the person, right? 
And then once we've found them, another player will volunteer, somebody who was not the messenger. They'll volunteer and they'll say, I'm going to be this person, right? So I'm going to be Bob Jones, uh, the person they said you should find to help figure out where to go, right? So then the rest of the players still play as themselves, having a conversation with Bob Jones. And Bob Jones's job is, that player's job is to give some information, some context maybe to the relationship about that the, that the recipient and the messenger had, right? Um, and then also to um, talk, uh, tell them another lead. Say, you know, I can't get a hold of this person, but you should talk to Tammy Jenkins. She can help you find this person, right? Uh, so end of that conversation, somebody else steps up and says, I'll be, I'll be Tammy Jenkins, right? And so everyone else reverts back to themselves. And now you have a conversation with the next person. And, and the idea is that every single person, with the exception of the original messenger, all of them will get a chance to play one of these people in this chain leading to the, the person you're trying to find, okay? Um, and when you find, so that number is based on the number of players you have. And when you finally, that last person says, here's where you can find so-and-so, uh, this recipient for this message, the message is intended for, right? Then the original messenger now plays as the recipient. Um, and the rest of the players, again, play themselves and they bring this message to the recipient and they have a conversation around it. And the idea for the game is that it's supposed to be cathartic a little bit in the fact that we can talk through this story of loss um, and, uh, you know, and what it means to us, what the context means. Um, but also that you can feel like you're on this adventure with your friends, that you're sleuthing this out, which is why you play yourselves in the game, not random characters. I mean, like I said, everyone will get one turn to play a character, but for most of the game, being yourself will hopefully help you really be able to, um, to feel like it's a thing you're doing, you know, with your community. So... That's the basic gist of the game. Uh, it plays on average about 10 minutes per player is my thought. Um, not including the setup time that it takes the messenger to record the video, write the letter, whatever. Um, mm. Yeah. So, all right. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? So, are the characters that they have to find uh, predetermined in any way? Or, like, by... It, nope. So, it's like improv, uh, storytelling on the fly... Like the 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 original messenger is going to create the first person you're looking for, and then the next person has to kind of create out the person you're they're going after. Right, right. So so maybe it's like, hey, you know, I'm uh, I'm about to expire for some reason. I have a lot of regrets with my um, with this kid that I used to bully in in school. Right, I was really terrible to him, and I just wish he could understand that. And I'm I'm sorry. And that I did this for, for bad reasons, but I, I'm really sorry. And, you know, so, yeah. So he says, I don't know how, I don't know how to find this guy, but I can tell you that this girl he used to date, uh, they didn't end super well, but like, you know, she, um, you know, she might know where to find him. Right. So then you decide on a plan of action. Right. And then, yes, yeah, some character will step in and be like, I'm going to be Susie, this ex-girlfriend. Right. Okay. And um and then when that happens, um that person gets to tell Susie's story as part of it, right? And she can inform, you know, like now Susie's his ex-girlfriend, she was dating him when this guy was bullying him. 
So she can now say, oh, here's some effects it had on him, right? So she's adding to the story when she does that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then she says, you know, um, I lost touch with him, but I know he was really friends with good friends with Bill. Uh, so-and-so, they went to college together. Um, so maybe find him. So then you go to Bill, and then Bill starts talking, oh, he did better, but you know, there were these lasting effects, whatever, blah, 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 right? And then Bill says... I, I heard he's married now. I heard he's married to, or I heard, you know, like, I don't know. Anyway, so you basically, you develop that chain. But yes, every person can add something new to the story, sometimes a big twist, right? Um, and then it comes back to the messenger being the recipient in the end, that same person playing both characters, because that way they can help wrap up their story um, that they started. But it is informed by these decisions that are made by the other players through the whole time. So, yeah, it's like a group storytelling thing. This is not a RPG you can win or lose, right? Right. It's it's more of an indie RPG. There's no dice. There's no rolling. You have a conversation and things happen. And that's it, right? Uh, we have multiple conversations. But, um, yeah. It, it felt like to me the type of thing that we could use right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's kind of uh, the thing that I like like about it is that um, the original creator is like cur- you know putting this like general information out there, and then everyone else is through their own characters going to help flesh that out more, fill in the blanks, and then it comes all the way back to the original person. Which there's two ways I, I was thinking about that. Um, you know, they get to kind of take. And, and wrap it all up in a bow, um, which which is kind of a neat, like, full circle situation where, like, responding to how people responded initially because they were already invested in creating the initial response there, right? The initial story, the initial prompt. Uh, and then by the, so, like, with how everyone responds, there's a new twist, but they, they are already familiar with the initial character enough to be able to maybe put those pieces together. Um, but it might be also hard for that initial player to let go of some of the preconceptions they already have in their head if the message comes back to them right um the other thing would be um it, it's it seems like it's for a certain kind of a group that's real comfortable oh yeah absolutely in that area whereas like uh i don't know how much, i didn't read your your three thousand words but just the idea of like thinking about prompts or some starters um, like for people to like, you know, a chart, like a roll, like here, if you don't know what to do, roll your dice. And here's like in fiasco, everybody writes down these words and like, who's your person, who's your relationship. And then like the person you're sitting next to, like something to like help populate those ideas. So there's a little bit of structure to like go off of and to build off. Of. Right. Well, one of my hopes with that, cause I was trying to avoid that obviously because of the constraints of the game. My thought was that if you've got six people in a group, one of them will likely be, if you're going to play this game, at least one of them is comfortable with creating a story and a video or whatever and kicking you off, right? Um, And that should be enough to give you the prompt to start working from there. Um, You know, and the good news is for the most part, you're playing yourself for almost the entire game. Um, And the reason I had it be a volunteer system to where you say, oh, I'll be that person, um, Doing that meant that if I'm uncomfortable, I can wait, right? I don't have to jump in right away, um, which means that I can um, I can slowly uh, uh, kind of get comfortable and see, oh, this is what this person's doing with the story. Okay, maybe I could do this with the story, you know? So, 
Yeah, yeah. And I guess, it, to be fair, if somebody was completely uncomfortable and said, I just want to play myself, they could absolutely do that, right? You're like, yeah, you could yeah. skip them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's maybe, no reason not to. Maybe you like, could come to, up. To not skip them if they really don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Maybe you could come up with an alternate role for that specific type of person if a person is not comfortable taking out a role they can do this instead yep which yep. gives them something something specific and active that doesn't take so then you're not coming up with like all the prompts and all the possible character matrix or whatever for people to roll or choose from um but it, it's a little help for those people that might feel like they want to sit on the sidelines more to get them a little more actively engaged yep yep cool so yeah well that's uh so that's the thing um if you find this and, if you uh, find this i dig yeah. it man sounds kind of neat thanks yeah i uh i hope the judges dig it as well so we'll see um, cool either way look for that um either it'll get um it'll go through the it'll win and that means i think it gets published as like a mini thing anthology thing um or it won't in which case i'll just self-publish it on my website so that if you want to see it you can totally go check it out um, yeah, yeah, rad. So, all right. Anything else we need to say before we uh, kick this thing out the door? I don't think so. I think uh, I think you're cool. I think you're a cool, dude. I hope I'm glad your family's all right and you guys are making Thanks. it. Thanks. Yeah, you too. I, I'm I digging hope. staring at you with that sweet new haircut. So you're looking good. <laughs> yeah. Like, thanks, man. You do seem to be fondling your guitar quite a bit throughout this recording. Every once in a while, I see it. Does it give you comfort to just hold it? <laughs> it's just on the couch and it's small. There's not really a good place to put it without getting up and moving the wires that are all wrapped right, around right. me. And you've got so. that tiny little guitar there, I see. So Yes, yes. Oh, and Builders, if you, uh, if you know Jason online, I strongly encourage you to check out his live shows he's been doing. Those have been fun. I watched um, almost all of the one yesterday, so even with the kids trying to distract me away from it. So, yeah. Sweet. That's, I'm glad you tuned in. Yeah, my band's called Singing Lungs and I did like a live stream for our record label and that's fun and uh yeah um yeah just trying to stay creative and stay connected with little creative bursts of whatever uh thanks for listening to us builders you're cool i hope your families and your lives are uh you know you're hanging in there and you're filling it up with creativity and all that good stuff too i don't have anything else to share i don't think all right well let's do this then uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we hope we come back again next week. But until then, let's leave you with this. If you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 770-HOTEL-BTG. You can find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg, at Slingerland at jasonkatarski, at greencouchgames. Uh, or... You can find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, Google Play, all those lovely places. Give us some nice reviews. We would love that. But until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>